to the fifth episode of the fourth season of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill. Alongside me, as always, is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Looking forward to talking about Sabres hockey again. I feel like it's been a while. Are you looking forward to it? Are you really? Always. <laughs> always. No, I, I am too. Um, I think just the biggest thing to just go off of, because it's the most recent thing, and then we'll kind of you know backtrack from there. But something that really upset me this weekend, and I'll get your take on it, is the Mike Harrington article about saluting fans, them consciously deciding not to. There was a fire Donnie chant during one of like the worst losses that we've seen in a while to Columbus at home. And then there was another night where against Seattle, they were down 2-1 after the first period. And they got booed off the ice. And apparently that's when they decided, you know, like, we're not doing this. Um, what is your reaction to that article that came out? And then I'm going to to follow up with, you know, my thoughts. Because they've actually changed a little bit over the, the past few days here. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was definitely interesting timing. It kind of came at like a hopeless point in the season. And it came pretty far after uh when like the fire granado booing incident happened with that 9-4 loss to columbus i think it's definitely it's definitely interesting to bring the fans into the equation a little bit just because i think even mentioning the fans at this point with like the ones that are still here all the stuff they went through to still actually be here like all the hours of their life they've wasted watching this team i think there's someone that like almost should be like kept out of anyone's mouth in terms of criticism not saying the sabers have really come out and said anything but i know earlier in the season oposo had some comments about how a lot of fans place the weight of the entire drought on this current team which i guess is a little true but the current team's pretty disappointing in its own right with how they've been performing and in terms of being upset over uh chanting like fire granado fire donnie in that columbus game I could understand why the players are upset because it's pretty much their own actions that are going to get this guy who they definitely all respect, who's been in the organization for a while. It's like their own actions that are going to get this guy fired. And I think he probably will get fired at some point within the next 12 months, maybe even this season. And it's pretty much all because of the performance of the guys on the ice. And I think that's definitely something that I could see making the players upset. I could see why they'd be upset with the fans. But at the same time, I think you almost just have to accept the booing as a part of the game if you're a Sabres player right now. I mean, there's never been a team that's had this bad of a stretch in NHL history. And there's even a season in the playoff drought mixed in where a majority of the NHL, I think only eight teams missed the playoffs during that COVID bubble playoffs, and the Sabres were one of them. So... I think it's going to be tough for Sabres players to be able to handle all that booing. It's going to be tough to attract free agents, knowing all the tension between the fans and the players. But, I mean, it's just just comes with the territory of the 
NHL record-breaking playoff drought. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you say, and um, I went from incredibly angry, incredibly angry, I was so mad, to now I'm just disappointed. Because I think my biggest thing was, how did it get to this point? And I'm looking at the leaders of this team. Because if they aren't the ones that orchestrated it or first suggested it, they're the ones that allowed it. I'm looking at Kyle Pozo, Zemgis Giergensens, Eric Johnson, and I mean, do you, this is someone I wanted to throw in there. Do you throw Alex Stuck in there too? Yeah, he might not have like the you know the the A on his you know chest or or even the the captaincy. You know what what's going on here? I I, I just. That that was really disheartening because especially Gergensen's and Opozo, you know more than anyone on this team what this fan base has gone through. And it felt like the Eichel situation where they lashed out at the fans, which fair enough, like they booed you or whatever, but like you're a professional athlete. And I understand that, you know, the players or whomever else can't blame management, ownership. Their coaches, which at this point, I think we've kind of established like, yeah, maybe Granado definitely has his faults and we'll get into them. But a lot of this falls on the players. But are you really going to expect fans to accept? Hey, you guys aren't being patient enough with us right now. Excuse me. You have to wear it. You're the ones at the beginning of the season that said our expectation is playoffs. Okay, well, you're not living up to that, and so you're getting booed for it. Now now you're upset about that? Look, at the end of the day, I can understand why you're, like, that's just not a fun feeling, especially to constantly get booed at home. Uh, a solution, show up. How many times in the first period are they going down? I mean, that, is, again, leadership. Your team's not showing up. They, they are not ready to play hockey games on a consistent basis. Leadership. The leaders of this team haven't won shit. Kyle Opozo, Zemgis Gergensens. Yeah, sure. Eric Johnson. Yeah, he won the cup. We see how that's going this year. It's not good. Those are your leaders. So it's super dependent on these young players. And sure, you want to put in Thompson and Cousins and all Darlene that are a little bit more established and have these long-term contracts. They're to blame too. I mean, everyone is. But I went from pure anger and just like screw these guys to, no, it's if you are a leader, it, this is directed at Opozo and Gergensen's, thank you for your service. Get the hell out. Because, again, if you did not orchestrate this or whatever, you did not put a stop to it and saying, look, you can be mad at these fans. You can't show it to them. Because this is straight revolt. I, again, there's always going to be people that are watching, going to the games, fans, because it's Buffalo, great market. But you're doing serious damage after all of these years of damage. I mean, that's just... It is going to leave a really sour taste in the mouths of fans when guys like Gergensen's and Opozo essentially 
wasted their career here not making the playoffs and then they're going out stepping on toes it's just it's really ugly i can understand where they're coming from but even more so they need to understand where the fans are coming from and that's why i'm just disappointed the anger subsided i'm just it's just disappointing it really is there's no no other words that i can really describe and other than I, I think here's another thought i had if this was orchestrated by someone i really hope it wasn't a guy that signed here long term it's one of those guys that just signed one of those long-term contracts yeah if they were behind this if it's a middle stat if it's krebs if it's someone else that's not supposed to be here for a very long time making a lot of money that haven't done anything in this league frankly i mean that's almost scarier than just like opposo was just like screw these guys like they treated eichel like crap now you know they're treating us like this and they're not being patient enough which is bull crap and they're done like fine kyle like i appreciate you as a as a man and as as a person and, and all the things that you've gone through but you bottled it and it's, it's time to move on or Gergensen's in the same sense and again like we don't know who did this so i really don't want to slander these guys if they had nothing to do with it but they are also leadership you're the leaders it falls on your shoulders so that's another concern i have is there anything else on, on this specific situation that you wanted to, to mention or anything again i'm trying to be somewhat fair but dude that was that's a damning article and it, it does not look good for this team because you're asking them yeah. or telling them they haven't been patient enough and it's like that's just yeah. not true yeah that's kind of the thing i found interesting with it was that they're not like saluting the fans after the games that they win so you would think like right. they're not obviously not going to be booed or they're going to be chanting like fire granado after a sabers win i mean half the people that go to the games are like florida panthers fans from like ontario and like families that got tickets like i mean there's really not that many like diehard fans that are just like on the edge of just wanting to boo you after a win i mean i feel like you could still salute the fans after a win i mean there's been a few like chance that you definitely don't want to hear about like your coach or just being booed all the time but at the same time like i don't get why you take away like the stick salute to the fans just because things are going bad i mean the fans are still a fan of this team when things are going bad i think the players owe it to us to still show respect to the fans even if they're not playing well or you can even do it if you don't mean it have you ever said thank you to someone yeah that you just you you didn't actually mean thank you or even like a sorry like yeah I, i'm like if you say sorry to someone you should mean it but like we've all done it thank you yeah but you don't mean it something like just raise your stick and get off the ice it takes you two seconds it's just a bad look and again you're losing and you're coming well short of expectations this season is only magnifying this and they should know that you guys have to be smarter than that and this is a very unique situation yeah. and is it fair for like a guy like zach benson to get booed where he's just like dude what the what's going on here no <laughs> but you guys wear that it's the same thing that what i heard someone else say it but like mcdermott said the same thing when he first got to buffalo we wear this my big question is that huge pr campaign last year asking or excuse me not asking saying we need to earn the fans trust back where the hell has that been this year 
did you guys think you earned it back by missing the playoffs last season? I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And now you're very lackluster, even to the point that you are underperforming what the expectations of the analytics crowd was, which was what mid to low eighties. And everyone was like, no way, like this, this should be a playoff team. And we, that was like a debate in the summer. Like that's it. This is a, this is very tough. This is a tough situation. I'm very interested to see how it is in person because I will be there against Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to harp on this any more than I have to, and it's coming really hard on down on these players. It's just, it's really bad. I mean, that it, when I'm this speechless, out of just disappointment and not just anger, that's you're starting to you're starting to lose people, is what I'm trying to say. So let's move on to something more positive, unless you have something else to say. And this is where something I was wrong on, UPL. What a season. What a season. I'm a doubter. I still have my doubts. But he is playing incredible. And I think he deserves better this season. I mean, last year was, oh, if they just have better goaltending, we're in the playoffs. Now you have the better goaltending, and you guys are absolutely crap in the bed. Absolutely crap in the bed. So, like, what's, what is your thought on UPL? And I guess we'll throw in Devin Levi there, too, because he's finally down in Rochester, which I believe I think he should start the season. Like I said, for this season, he should start the season in Rochester next year. UPL has earned it now. Unless, look, he had a bad game against Anaheim, fine. But if it's going to be the same for UPL for the rest of the season, give him the number one spot next year, get a competent backup, and, and roll. And I think it, unless they're actually going to make a move at goaltender, which they it doesn't appear like they will. So what's your thoughts on UPL's season this year, Devin Levi this year, and just kind of the future at, at goaltending for the Sabres? I mean, I think UPL, I mean, he's been incredible this year. He's been one of the better goals in the NHL. I don't really think I saw it coming. I know in like a few podcasts last summer, I don't know if it was this one specifically, I kind of brought up how he almost reminds me of like Philip Gustafson a bit. Like he could be the player that has that type of season that really makes teams regret moving them. Like Ottawa, I'm sure, obviously regrets moving Gustafson now with how bad their goaltending has been this season. So that that was kind of my concern with moving on from UPL this offseason. And it looks like UPL did become like yeah. just a solid NHL starting goalie. I mean, even Comrie, his game kind of fell off a bit, even though it showed some promise last season. So it's a pretty good thing they ran with three goalies to start the year. Uh it didn't take them too long to sort out UPL as a starter. I mean, obviously, his Levi's not to start the year. He had a few good games, a few stinkers. But for the most part, I mean, goaltending's been kind of an asset to them this season. And uh, in terms of Devin Levi, I mean, I don't really think much changes with his projection either. Uh, I think he has a little bit more motivation now. There's a guy like UPL in front of him playing like the way he is. Levi's a guy that just really drives himself off that motivation, off that competition. And really just that game he had in Rochester, uh, I think it was Monday afternoon, 51 saves on 52 shots. Mm -hmm. I, I think he has a 926 save percentage in HL right now, which is really good. I feel like a lot of people like referencing save percentage thinking it's still 2013. But in the year 2024, like 
nine ten is like a really good save percentage with like the more higher danger shots offenses are getting off they're getting off less volume focusing more on quality so i mean if you got a guy like levi putting up those numbers down there you got a guy like upl in the nhl you even have a former prospect eric portillo who i'm going to bring up even though he's not in the system he's sabers draft pick he's doing really well uh for the kings minor league team so it looks like this team has been able to identify goalie talent uh, they got two really good guys in the system right now. I don't really foresee it being a problem in the future. And I've never really been a fan of trading for a high-end goalie just because that's probably the easiest way any GM could get burnt to the NHL is trading assets for a 29, 30-year-old high-end goalie because things can fall off quickly with them in terms of injuries. So uh, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the goalie situation right now. Uh, I think that's... One of the few things that has me a little bit optimistic heading into next season was they have that part figured out, which is a pretty difficult part to figure out for some teams. I mean, just looking at Ottawa this season. So now that we have that part figured out, it should be easier to make that next step next season. But I say should because this is a Buffalo Sabres after all, and they find a way to mess it up and destroy our lives every fall and winter. Ah, meaningful games in March. Uh, the what about uh, Tobias Lenonen? Oh, uh, question. Uh, so n- that's a no on Jonathan Quick for for trading for Jonathan <laughs> yeah, Quick. A couple firsts and you know, like There's probably people out there that wanted. I mean, yeah. I saw I saw UPL for Yusei Saros trade. I'm like, why would you trade a guy that you have like contract leverage over that you could pay cheaply? Yeah, for a 29 year old that's about to sign for like eight million dollars per season yeah i saw i'm happy with what we have right now yeah i saw the sorrows thing and i was just i just i can't i couldn't get behind it either like that he's the least available and i just i don't think so so um let's go with eh, all right let's go back to me complaining (laughs) well i guess maybe not complaining (laughs) but you know this is a good thing now Peyton krebs follow me on twitter no, I'm just I'm just so had at watching him play with Opozo and Gergensen's. And people are like, well, he doesn't do anything. No shit. No kidding. It's just, oh my God. They finally gave him some line mates. And they're like, oh my God, this guy's good. I mean, the casual fan, like people actually knew. And like, obviously with Granado's words, he's like, look, like we know you're meant for something higher than this and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, yeah, but like at one point you're playing Tyson Jost on the first line, not Peyton Krebs. Like, what are you talking about, Donnie G? So like that's that's something that you can go back to Granado and being like, hey man, like a change like this should have happened a little bit sooner, don't you think? Um, but it's a it, it is a positive thing. Do we do you think that w- if he continues to play like this with the boys that he's playing with, do you think that this can be? something that sticks around and he's finally off the fourth line for good uh because that's something i'm looking forward to i wanted to get your opinion on i think the main thing with me is i think it gets them off the fourth line when there's injuries uh like we've seen before anytime there's an injury they still kind of kept him glued to that fourth line so i think yeah. now that they're finally getting looks at him outside of that role i think it helps i think with how their forward group is shaping up next season when everybody comes back fully healthy they already have like eight of their top nine fully secured. He could definitely be that ninth in the top nine, but I just really think they're going to add a forward to that top nine next season. And I think that may push a guy like like Greenway, a guy like Krebs, 
down to like a kind of fourth line, but not really a fourth line. I can't really envision a scenario where they run things back with the current fourth liners they have. I mean, new, they've been new, 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 standard. new. Yeah, absolutely like, not. That's where I put my foot down. Absolutely yeah. not. If you're bringing back a Pozo <laughs> and Gergensens, both of them, I don't want either of them back. I wish them the best. I, I, I really do. Good dudes. Time for a change. We need to rebuild the fourth line. And that's good. That was actually a topic I was going to bring up later, but here we are. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think they have the pieces too. I mean, like Greenway, Krebs, Kulik, I could see that being like a fourth line that's mm. really aggressive. I mean, plays hard and could score goals too. I mean, because Kulik, he gets criticized for his like defensive reads sometimes, but in terms of like aggression and just being on the puck, he's typically there. I think that could be a fun yeah. mix of players if they decide on it. Uh, we'll we'll save that for a little bit. I don't necessarily, well, I don't I don't necessarily disagree, and have like a specific counterpoint of like no, this should be it. But I'll think on that a little bit and and come back to it, because that I mean that fourth line is it is still something like you have to roll four lines and you have to be able to rely on them, um, and especially with a fourth line roll, you want them to be a little bit better defensively. That's for sure too. Um, Kind of depends on usage and where they're going to go. I could see them at some point, you know, breaking up that top line of Tuck, Skinner, and Thompson and trying to spread the wealth out a little bit there. So I could see the fourth line being a more effective scoring slash energy line. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to just kind of think of the standard four lines, I'm going Greenway on the fourth line before Krebs all day long. And, look, fair enough. Like, if you want to criticize Krebs for not shooting enough, fine. But that also means, but like that, that's also, that's him. He doesn't change. It's not like he just stopped shooting or anything like that. And like, yes, you should be able to evolve as an NHL player. Fair enough. But give him some guys that can shoot. Give him some guys that can make some plays because he is a very dynamic playmaker and that can work. Like this is an extreme example and he had the perfect person to pass to, but Nicholas Backstrom, it's not like he was lighting the lamp. Joe Thornton, again, those are way better players than Peyton Krebs. Legends of the game, totally understand, but playmakers do have a a place in this game. I want to give a better example because that was way too like severe. Come on, help me out here, Walt. Like a playmaking center. I mean, even a guy like Middlestad, like he's someone that they kind of gave yeah. awful line mates to yeah. when he okay. started off his career. Like he wasn't really known as a playmaker, and now he's. I mean, you look at primary five on five assists like per 60 minutes. He's up there with some of the best players in the NHL right now. This is driving me nuts. Yeah, that's a good example. Who else? There's got to be another good one. Damn. Like, I don't know why I just thought of Brad Richards. That doesn't, <laughs> no. I don't know why I thought of him. Anyway, I mean, damn. That's a tough spot to blank on, but um, yeah, I mean, I just say keep rolling with it, keep giving them the opportunities, and like give them like an opportunity, like rest of the season, not five games and slips up here and there, and you're like, we're comfortable putting them on the fourth line, so there you go. No, the season's done. Might as well try some stuff, right? So let's see how this goes, keep it going. Who knows, like if it keeps going well, I know the the talk is is Middlestat tradable. Well, if you think Peyton Krebs could be a decent replacement for him, maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to suggest anything, but it's something, you know, something to consider. 
maybe you know let someone else pay Middlestat a, a whole bunch that you're just not willing to because at some point the well has to run dry in these long-term contracts it's kind of where I, my head's at let's go back to more management how much of this is on Kevin Adams how much of this is on Don Granado how much of this is on the assistant coaches at the end of this season would you be satisfied if they said all assistant coaches are gone Don Granado is still here with Kevin Adams do you need Granado gone too. What what is your whole opinion on the non-players of this organization? Yo, I'd say, I mean, just with what I've seen with the Sabres team, just being a fan since uh, the tank era post-Darcy, I think you have to keep a GM longer than just two, three years, even after a disappointing season, because it's like a project. Uh, it's not really a one- or two-year build if, like, things don't go with injuries one year and you're adding a whole new GM, a whole new scouting staff, a whole new just maybe analytics staff too because usually that moves with the GM as well. I, I think you're just kind of digging yourself into a hole that's hard to dig out of. Uh, so I, I think Kevin Adams, I think he's a guy whose job should be safe. I mean, sure, he could have done more in this offseason. He also could have done more and it could have turned out awful for the Sabres this offseason. I mean, we've seen like just that Corpus Allo contract. I know I keep bringing up Ottawa goaltending, but like something <laughs> like that, I don't think many Sabres fans would be, they would have been ecstatic in the off season. So like, Oh, we signed a goalie, but looking at that contract now, it's like, that's brutal. So I think sometimes not making a move is a good move. Uh, I don't really think that's the case of Kevin Adams, but I don't think he's really done anything that makes me want to fire him. I mean, I love the, I love the draft staff he's running. I mean, that Benson pick, Oof. that Jack Quinn pick, I mean, really, J.J. Paterka, too. I mean, the insane J.J. Paterka is I mean, more. He's a second-round yeah. pick. Yeah. yeah. Like 2020. I mean, not I even mean, that long ago. They, you know, there's a couple probably whiffs, maybe you'd say. Like, would you say Poltapov? I mean, it's too it's too early, but like Poltapov yeah. probably drafted too high. Or like um, Lenonen. That's his last name, right? The goalie? Yeah. Finnish goalie? Yeah, Lenonen. Yeah, um, Topias Lenonen. I'm looking at his name, and I don't even know how to, know how to pronounce it. The uh, oldest joke in sabermetrics history is that i can't pronounce last names um yeah i mean <laughs> again but like over like every gm misses or whatever i mean you got ryan johnson to sign here i don't really know like if another gm would like be more likely to get him signed earlier or another gm wouldn't have been able to sign him whatever you got ryan johnson under under his wing um i mean you got levi too i mean a lot of people yeah. don't really talk about I don't think he's ever at risk of leaving, but there's probably a bunch of guys that could be in Levi's shoes that are like, let me just spend another year at Northeastern. Let me win the bean pot. Let me be like yeah. a celebrity on campus, like a star college hockey player, and let me sign with my hometown team after that. He, a lot of guys that are in his shoes could have easily have done that. I mean, Portillo did. So, I yeah. mean, why, why couldn't Levi and Johnson almost did? We essentially thought he was going to at that point because it was like, dude, if you haven't signed at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think it, we're probably at the, like, in agreement, excuse me, I almost said something else, but we are in agreement when it comes to Kevin Adams. It's just too soon. He can't do it. Has he made mistakes of, like, being a little bit too inactive? Yeah. And, and he has to wear that, and I would love to hear from him and maybe, you know, a media member ask him, hey, man, so at what point – you know, when Jack in, Jack Quinn went down with injury and you had plenty of time to compensate for that, when the wheels were falling off, 
you know, when the fire Donnie chants were going on, you guys got, got smoked by Columbus, constantly not showing up for the first period, winning one, losing two, winning two, losing three kind of thing, whatever. I mean, what, like, what was your thought process? Did you try to make a move? Was there, are you talking to people? I mean, I, of course he's going to be guarded with anything he says anyway, but it's just like, I want someone to say something besides Don Granado saying like, these guys have a lot of heart and they care. Like, okay, cool. So does every other player on every other team. I don't, it's, it, that's, that comes with the territory. That's, you have to have that. You're an NHL player. <laughs> so I, I think I'm more, and I think you have to give Granado another chance too. Because like the player said, like this is on them too. Like at the end of the day, Granado isn't lacing up the skates. He can do as much as he possibly can. But if the guys aren't out there executing or he's not the one missing the net constantly or not being able to bury the chances, like he can, he can, what? He can lead a horse to water, but he can't make a drink. Like he can only take them so far. And like, it's like the same thing when people were blaming Eichel for not, you know, dragging the Sabres of the playoffs is like it's only one player too it's like this is an entire team thing and they don't look as coordinated and again I'm sorry but it goes back to leadership for me at least for me and I'm not trying to rag on these guys because like we saw what happened last year and it was great what happened uh, and it, you have to you have to Put blame evenly in a sense where it's just like you can't just be it's only a pose owners only Gergensen's like just because they wear letters doesn't mean like they're the entire team it is a group and maybe there was like one guy that tried to stop them from not doing the whole salutes or whatever but like you're gonna get overruled by the majority and you just kind of have to sit there and take it but I don't know I mean special teams is gross what do we think about the assistant coaches and so, like, yeah, their yeah, I mean, penalty kills by okay. Yeah, like the assistant coaches, I think, I think it's something that kind of gets a little overblown just because, like, I think, I think a lot of people are kind of used to, like, football where it's like, all right, this coach has the offense. He's the yeah. offensive coordinator. This guy's the defense. The head coach manages everything. Like, the head coach of the NHL, I mean, the goaltending coach is kind of separate because a lot of head coaches don't really have experience in that area. But I mean, like, Dr. Now's hands are on the power play as well. Like, he's not yeah. just seeing, like, a garbage power play and being like, oh, I've never worked a power play before. I'm relying on my power play assistant. Like, that's just, like, not really a thing in the NHL. So, usually, if the head coach goes down, all the assistants go down. Like, there's really not many scenarios where you just fire, like, a singular assistant and then bring in another one, unless there's, like, some behind-the-scenes drama going on, which I don't really think there is in Buffalo. But I... I I think if you decide the power play is so bad it's worth firing someone over, I think the head coach definitely goes as well. Like, I can't envision a scenario where they blame the power play woes on an assistant coach. I, I think they definitely play some role. But, I mean, when things are going bad, the head coach will step in and be like, all right, let's try to figure things out. And I think things aren't much different than they were last season. I mean, it's a pretty similar power play. It just looks a lot worse because... Tage is playing hurt. I think that's been pretty obvious with what his shots looked like and really what his games looked like. And people are zeroing in on him more on the power play. 
they don't really have like that master manipulator that Jack Eichel was on the power play where you just literally put the puck on a stick. He's moving all around the ice on the power play, creating stuff he could shoot too. They don't really have a guy like that. And I think they're really just relying on a power play that relies on guys scoring from areas that aren't that dangerous with their good shots. And it just hasn't been working this year. And it worked last year. So I think they're kind of at a crossroads right now. Like maybe they try to create a power play that gets the puck to more dangerous areas of the ice. A power play that relies less on shooting. Even though they don't really have the talent to do that, they have a ton of great shooters. So it makes sense to rely on the shooting, but at the same time, it hasn't been working. So it's really just a tragedy almost with what this power play has turned into. Like it's really just a question that the coaching staff and the players have struggled to answer all year and it's played a major role in them on forming, but it's so boring. I, I just don't really know who to play. Yeah. It's just like not exciting at all compared to last season too, like, like 12 months ago again. And this is like Granado was like, Hey, we're going to play exciting hockey. It's like, well, you guys aren't even exciting this year. You know what I mean? If like we're going down, yeah. we're not even going down swinging kind of the, like kind of, I mean, again, the efforts, I don't think they, there's not many games. There have been a few games, but like not many games where they just like mail it in except in the first period. It seems like every single freaking game, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like it just a like complete, you know, whistle to whistle or horn to horn, you know, they just didn't try tonight kind of thing. Like, yeah, there's still effort, but again, that's also part of like, that's what you're supposed to do every single game. Like you don't get a pat on the back for trying in the nhl so i mean that's something too but let's talk about the injuries because here's another season where i mean you have tage let's start with tage i don't want to say another season because last year they were actually really healthy tage thompson do you think it is smart that he's playing right now i understand if it is a you can't make it worse it's just a pain tolerance thing my opinion is if if whatever he's dealing with can get worse he should not be playing protector investment he shouldn't be playing but at the same time like where is your line of like look dude you're hurting the team by playing hurt versus yeah just stick it out he's better than whoever else we'd bring in here like where's your line there because i've kind of struggled with that going from like well 80 percent of thompson's better than blank but at the same time you know you could get some decent games if someone's at 100 percent or like again maybe not every player's at 100 percent this late in the season but 95 or whatever just has a couple nicks here and there yeah i think with him it's just it's interesting because i don't want to speculate too much on what his injury is but it's it's, it's definitely it's, like the hand injury he had yeah. like, i feel like it's got to be something in the hands just because he used to do all those stick handling moves last year and was able to finish this year he's able to do like some of the moves but you could tell it's like a very like cheap version of what he was able to complete last season like it seemed like last season when he was on he was on this year like ever since that hand injury he just really hasn't been on like it's almost weird it's like a well i mean it's not like too different than a player we've seen with tage before but it's just not the tage we've seen the last two seasons and i have an extremely hard time believing that this guy was a two-season wonder i mean there's really not guys that come out of nowhere and score 38 plus goals in back-to-back years and just go back to being awful i mean a lot of the stuff he does should continue to translate but it just looks like there's something like blocking him from doing that same stuff he's doing last season this season so i think 
if there's an injury and it can get worse, I'd sit him. If there's an injury and it can't get worse, I guess just continue to play him and hope he's able to work his way out of the slump prior to next season. But he's a guy where just a ton of stuff the Sabres want to do both this season and next season just relies on him bouncing back. I mean, he's a huge piece of the Sabres outperforming their expectations the previous two seasons. Really just with his shot, his shot transformed the power play and his shot transformed five-on-five play and his stick handling transformed five-on-five play. He gave the Sabres legitimate top line. And when he's not that guy... I just don't think the Sabres have the weapons to kind of replace that missing production right now. So I I hope he's able to bounce back from his injury. I'm confident that he will be able to, and I hopefully that's what his struggles are coming from right now. But yeah, it's definitely been a disappointing season for him. I mean, let's look at some of the other injuries with the the Sabres. I'm like, yeah, that is part of it too. Like, again, the equal blame here. It's not all on the leaders of the team. It's not all on the, you know, the the skill players. It's not all on the coaches. It's not all on the GM. It's everyone. Like, they they all made the bed, and they're all in there together. They're sleeping. It's a big bed because there's a lot of people, but it is an organizational failure from top to bottom. And, I mean, my heart goes out to Jack Quinn because a guy played oh crap. I was looking at Matias Samuelson last year. He played 55 games this year. He's played 41. I understand that's the game he plays. He blocks a lot of shots, but dude, you're not available as, yeah. as much as you should be. Like I get it. I get it. Guys get hurt. You're not going to have 82 games a season. Every single season. It's just, that's unrealistic, but dude, I mean, we, we need some, like your best ability is availability and i again the same thing with thompson is like yeah if you're available but you're in shambles like what good does that do but i mean the, you are now forced to rely more upon eric johnson and connor clifton now bryson's getting back in the team i'll take clegg over johnson and bryson any any day like i, I don't know he's not perfect he makes mistakes or whatever but he's not tragic out there and so and brian johnson should never be sat unless he's hurt or whatever like i don't know what was going on there should never be sat he needs to be playing and so like injuries are a part of it too i think they're really harsh for johnson i noticed any game where he makes a bad read he that leads to a goal he's pretty much sitting the next game i feel like he has a really short leash uh with this coaching staff I don't, I don't fully understand that because, I mean, I just look at some of the errors you've seen from Clifton and Johnson, and I, I would sacrifice that for the leadership that they're bringing if this team was good. They're not. We are in a, we're in a place where it is game time for these players. It's the same thing with Devin Levi. Like, I'd actually, like, if they were going on a run right now, I'd probably want him on the team. Like, I understand he can go up and down, so it's actually a lot easier. Like, fair enough. But I would be I would be totally on board with that, but they're not. So what are we doing here? Ryan Johnson needs to be playing every single game. And if that means Eric Johnson can't play, that sucks. Enjoy the popcorn. Like, that, it, it, I, I've, I've had it with the older players on this team because... 
they're they're very much a part of this this failure too. Again, even evenly split. I maybe not evenly split, but yeah, I'm I'm obviously still a little upset about everything that transpired recently. Let's just say that, and <laughs> it's probably it's probably unfair. You know, if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, "The hell is this kid talking about?" But it's what it's how I feel, man. I feel like a lot of people probably agree, and if people disagree, I don't know. Thanks for listening, <laughs> but. It, yeah. it's it, this is i mean this is worst case scenario like here's a couple of things that i even had written down just because i was like eh, a little bit upset when i was writing these but like at what point does terry have to sell the team like will he ever or does he know like i can't do that because i have the bills and if i sell the team to if i sell the sabers and anything god forbid they leave or something like that i'd be a pariah with my own nfl team they're too ingrained but like yeah dude this is all under Pagula, and it's 13 years now, I think, to this day. This is, what, the, the big day of uh, the 1980s uh, Olympic team beating uh, the Soviet Union. Then we have Terry bombing the Sabres and saying, you know, our sole purpose is to win a Stanley Cup. How about your sole purpose is to get into the playoffs by any means necessary? Holy crap. Yeah. And that's also the brawl. Marty Buran versus oh, Ray yeah, Emery, which, the same which, by the way, I feel so bad for Marty. He went up against the one goalie besides like Jordan, Jordan Bennington that wants, wanted to fight everyone after his NHL yeah, career. No. And rest in peace, Ray Emery. Rest in peace. But there was a video of him overseas. <laughs> I think like a an equipment guy after he got pulled or something like that in the game, like went up and just like tried to like throw a hat on him or something like that and lost his mind to try to fight his own like equipment guy or something like that. <laughs> like, again, I know that's a, not a, not a great story about someone that is past rest in peace, like very good goalie. And oh, yeah, Emery was the legend. He, I mean, I yeah. feel like there's not many goalies but, that like play with like that edge that he right? had. Like, it's like he, him, like, Tim Thomas and freaking Bennington, except no one, like people kind of yeah. like Tim Thomas. People kind of liked Ray Emery. No one likes Jordan Bennington. Like Hextall, like, uh, Hextall. Just, he's like a real old school, like throwback, like just like goalie that just wants to get he physical. Some, he had some good years, man. He had some good years there in Ottawa. So. Yeah. Hey, good for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Marty, come on, dude. Like he had no chance in, in that fight. Like, what? I felt so bad for him. He's like, well, I got to do this. And ugh. that was. Oh, like, yeah. I, I remember, like, when I was younger, I was always thinking, like, what if Miller like dressed that game? Like, I wonder, like, that fight would have been interesting. I know Miller fought was, like Bernier too. That yeah, that one preseason as well, like later on in his career. Yeah, was that uh, was that when John Scott looked at Phil Kessel? He's like, I'm going after you, and Phil was like, What? <laughs> He's yeah. like, and then the puck dropped, and he came after him, and Phil just started hacking. Yeah, I think Ron Rolston got like he oh, got God. like fined or suspended for like player selection or something because he threw out yeah. John Scott against the Kessel line. He got like fined yeah. for player selection. They made him they made him take off his gardening gloves at practice for five games and. <laughs> That was the end of Rolston. So, um, oh like a decent coach for what? I think he was in college at some point. He was doing really well. Was it Denver or UMass? I Couldn't like it be up like Providence or something. <sighs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not looking this up. Sorry, yeah. guys. If you want to, he's an AHL guy for a little bit. Yeah, good for him. Um, that, dude, speaking of AHL, dude, freaking Kulik got hit from behind a couple games ago or like that last game during like the Levi game or whatever. That was the most pissed I've ever heard Seth Abbott. Like after a game, yeah. he's like, well, they don't call it, so why does it matter? 
and just like kept like the reporter was oh, like, yeah. "Oh crap!" And I was like, "What's freaking ghost?" I'm I'm a Seth Appert fan. I just like him as a person. Like his t- team can't play defense fine, but like I I personally really like Seth Appert. Sue me. So um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean that's a that's a huge issue with the AHL too. With like protecting young guys down there with the physicality. Yeah, I mean, there's guys down there who if they get called up to the NHL, their salary like is like 10 times what it is in the AHL. So there's guys just doing anything possible, yeah. veteran guys, just to get that NHL call up. So for some guys, they rely on their physicality. And for 19-year-old, 18-year-old kids that uh, the Sabres have been putting in Rochester, it it can be dangerous. I mean, they threw uh, Kisikoff in the AHL at like 160 pounds, yeah. 155 pounds. I mean, like I honestly cannot even imagine what – that even feels like playing in that level at that weight. Yeah, no thanks. Um, I mean, Isaac Rosan, smaller guy too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, actually just kind of looking at their stats, no one's really blown it out of the water this year, but, you know, Rochester's doing all right. Actually, I actually haven't checked out their standings in a couple weeks, but they were doing all right. They were at least in a playoff spot. But, I mean, is there any kind of – outside the Sabres thoughts about any prospects or any like you know Savoy's over in Moose Jaw now um who else I think some there is there another prospect that's having a somewhat decent season that I'm forgetting right now Olson went on a pretty good run in the SHL I mean he's been quiet the past few games but he had a pretty good like point per game streak coming out of the world juniors and I thought at the world juniors too I mean I don't even think we've had episodes since and I thought Olson was probably the best player at that tournament he was incredible and i just as like a usa fan i mean you can always tell when you're a fan of a team that guy you hate going against is probably a really good player for me it was also in that (laughs) metal game take the puck up ice he'd be really shifty with it he's not a guy you want to play against not the biggest guy but he knows how to make his game work at his size and he's just a really smart hockey player how much of a play driver is ostalin like is he like you think he's a like a solid NHL potential play driver? I think it's it's interesting because he was really shifty in that World Juniors and really just created stuff on his own just with the stick handling and like deceptiveness. So I think he's got that almost higher end level in him, even though his production is not crazy. That's fine. He's a guy I'm really excited to see come over to North America when he finally does. Because I think he's a guy who's going to be better in the NHL than he was at some stages of himself as a prospect. I mean, he was supposed okay. to be a top five pick probably like three years before his draft year. And then he kind of cooled down a bit and fell in that mid first round range. But the guy has talent. And I think with this Sabres team, with all the talent they have on the wings, I mean, I know it's easy to be negative about this team, but Paterka, yeah. Quinn, and Benson is just an incredible trio of wingers to have and that's not even bringing up guys like Kulik and uh, Savoy and even like players that are already on the team right now like Skinner and Tuck I I think when Olsen finally makes a jump to the NHL he's going to have some talent to play with and I think he's a guy who can play that game that true center game to complement some of their top guys absolutely and hopefully it's a situation where once he gets to the nhl he isn't being like heavily relied upon and a at a young age and you know kind of it's like almost found money essentially because the team is doing so well at that point at this point the earliest 
that you will see the Sabres in the playoff is April 2025. That's the earliest, best-case scenario at this point. Well, I mean, best-case scenario is um, half the Eastern Conference disappears, goes poof, and then they you know, might make the playoffs this season. But, um, I mean, hopefully by that point they've structured it so guys like Rosain, Kulik, Savoy, Oslund, if he ends up, you know, getting some getting some chances where like they're able to be plugged into a good team and go from there and not be heavily relied upon because it's just his his goal numbers aren't there. He scored a pretty cool one like falling backwards, but like Zach Benson, been very good this season. I've been super concerned about how much they've needed him this season. Like that's just like it's good for him. Awesome. Should ever you know be proud of yourself you know people should be happy for him all that good stuff but it's also like oh my god this is an 18 year old and he's like super needed on this team it's a good thing and a bad thing but it's like what's your thoughts on benson this season because obviously he's been impressive i've been impressed like i think for his size and just it's just so not like many 18 year olds to play well in the nhl like he got smoked in the numbers the other night, and that was bull crap from Matheson. Yeah. So it's like just pin the guy against the bull. Like, yeah, all you saw was numbers. And you could still you can still push him or like hit him. Like it happens in the NHL. Like I never liked getting hit in the numbers, but in the NHL you can like hit a guy, but just don't like explode through him. Or like you know he doesn't he his back is to you. Just like pin him. What anyway. Like, what are your thoughts on Benson? And what are your thoughts on possibly for the rest of the season getting time to guys like Kulik and Rosan more than their, you know, game here and there, play fourth line minutes kind of thing? Like, again, you, there's also other team players on the Sabres that you want to get them more time to because it is a young team. So how do you balance that as well? Yeah, I think with Benson, I mean, he's someone where it's like, if you hear like a kindergartner playing like Mozart on like a toy piano in the classroom, like you're calling him up to the first grade. So I think that's kind of what like Benson was like in the WHL. I mean, he's just such a smart player there. It's like you can't you can't keep him down there. You can't you can't keep him in pre K. You gotta get him the first grade. Yeah, <laughs> but it wouldn't so, have yeah, so I wasn't expecting that. Down there doing like yeah, <laughs> they're down there doing like crazy stuff. Like I mean. I know a lot of people probably look at like the stats like, oh, he had a few more points than Savoy. But I mean, just the way Benson got his points down there with a player his size and just the way he thinks the game is just pretty incredible. And I think just his personality too. Like he's someone where I remember like some of the first few games of the season, like that Islanders game, he's going after Matt Martin in the corner. Matt Martin absolutely lays him out. Benson gets yeah. back up wins the puck, finds a guy in front, I think it was Middlestad or Greenway, and the Sabres tie the game up. Like, he's a guy, I think a lot of NHL coaches know, like, when they have a guy that's, like, 18, 19 years old that's able to handle just the physicality of the NHL, even though they're not the biggest player. Like, Benson's a guy that he seeks out physical play. I mean, it's hurt him sometimes this year, just with the refs always having an eye on him, it seems like anytime Benson does something, he gets called for he it. Has like, had probably more so than any player. Some of the <laughs> softest penalties against him I have ever seen. There was that one early yeah. in the year where he barely pushed a guy, and they're like cross-checking. And everyone was like, what? Yeah. Of, all the, of all the cross-checks that happened in the hockey game, that's the one. And then there was another one 
It's so, like a Winnipeg Calgary game where he like started standing in front of the net and then every oh single player in the other yeah. team comes and starts punching him and he gets the penalty. Yeah, and they were like four on four and you're just like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. He just got mauled by four guys before it even like a saber <laughs> turned around to see what was happening. It was like he's got that yeah. dog in him, but God dang, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, know. there's been phantom like that Rangers game. I think the first game, I think a Rangers player, I forget who was holding on to Benson's stick and Benson got called for hooking. Like, it's like <laughs> he plays that type of game that just will attract those calls. And it, I guess it maybe hurt the series at some points this season, but the fact that they got this guy with a 13th overall pick and he's already been a pretty solid NHLer. Yeah. And that's coming off the season the Sabres had last year where they also really outperformed expectations. I mean, you really can't ask for much more of like an opportunity with Sabres fan. I mean, I know we've asked like during the early stages of those Eichel Reinhardt years, like Sabres fans were just begging for a prospect that we hit on in the second round. We finally got that in Paterka, like a guy that's been yes. kind of struggling to break out. We got that in Thompson, like just hitting on those eighth overall picks, like not getting Nylanders and Ristolainen's, like starting to get like Quinn's and Benson's. And we've finally been getting all of that. So, which is why I think we're so close to the finally reaching that point. And that's not even bringing up the guys like Kulik and Rosane who, I mean, I think they maybe get minutes in the NHL to close the year. I don't really think they did the best job adjusting those guys to the NHL level when they get minutes earlier. But, I mean, they, they've got some really interesting pieces, which I think it makes it so much more frustrating with this team is that I'd love to just be, like, a pure hater with this group. Like, it's 2019. Really, like, the team, like, legitimately sucked. But, I mean, they actually have, like, yeah, like most a good, pieces. Yeah coming into place to make it and the stats show it too outside the power play being awful like five on five yeah they're they're, they're good. better than detroit yeah, and detroit's a team that people reference all the time they're like oh the sabers are so far behind this rebuild and even people are saying like the senators are behind the red Wings rebuild i think all three teams are pretty close to being on a similar level they're at different stages of their build but it really just depends on which team's scoring more than expected which team's getting better goaltending and how you rank those three but i i think i don't know it's just i guess just life as a sabers fan but they're finally getting things that normal nhl teams get so I, the playoffs have to be coming at some point i mean i'd even i even wager right now that i think they're more likely to make it to the playoffs next season mm -hmm. uh, compared to my confidence going into this season i said this season i thought it'd be a coin flip whether or not they made it uh, looks like it wasn't heads, but it was tails, so we missed it. <laughs> so, I think next season I'll maybe go sixty forty. I okay. think I think they have a really decent shot to make it next season. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm in your boat too. We're like, I, if you if you check my timeline, a lot of it is really negative, just because like that's I end up sending sending the like the tweet or the whatever you want to call it these days on the mostly negative stuff. But there there are some things that I will like positively say a lot more of it like i'll just kind of like ramble on about positive stuff and then realize i'm like no one wants to see this so i'll just kind of like get rid of it i should be better about putting that stuff out just to kind of even things out but a positive thing and like i i know this podcast started with us just kind of like you know mostly me ripping the team and leadership and some guys that, that have been here and, and suffered like the fans too but they've also been the ones on the ice um at the end of this season, you know, I, it's been a rough one. 
it, it resets back to zero. And like you said, this team isn't that far off. Like we saw last year, if they can just, you know, kind of regain a little bit of that better power play, keep the five on five play going, have all of these young players progress, make some moves because you have to, sorry, we can't roll back having Clifton and Johnson playing important roles out there, get some better depth. I mean, there is like guys are healthy too. Hopefully that stays the same. Like this is, like you said, I can see it happening next season, and I can see them kind of. I don't want to. No, I will not say comfortably making the playoffs, but I can see them us singing a very different tune at this time next season. If we are singing the same tune, oh boy! Yeah, then it's like, yeah, then That's... it's. I don't even know it at that point. Okay, so for the best opportunity to make the playoffs next season walt what do the sabers have to do they have to do this from now until the start of the season because at at that point like yeah you can make some tweaks here yeah you can maybe bring some guys in at the deadline or something like that but to start next season and not stumble out of the gates both when it comes to the long-term you know games and when you're looking back in december like holy crap like they're chasing their losses, but also better starts two games, first period, winning, like scoring goals or not going into your own dressing room at home, down at least one goal. Like, what do they need to do from now until then? Both moves wives, getting getting rid of guys, bringing them in, playing more players, giving time to Levi in the NHL before the end of the season, giving time to... Uh, Novikov to see where he's at. What do the Sabres have to do for them to be in the best position possible for next season? I think for me, I think they can use like another solid like right-handed defenseman, like maybe like a slightly souped-up version of Yoki Haru. Like I don't think you have to go too crazy, but just having another guy you can just rely on being solid would be huge. I mean, they kind of made that addition prematurely with the old group with Colin Miller. But he's a guy where if like if you throw Colin Miller on a decent team, like he's a pretty solid player. I mean, he's playing top pair minutes with Heiskanen, and they were one of the better pairs of the NHL for a little bit. And Heiskanen even got, I believe, he got even Norris votes one of the seasons he's playing with Miller, if I'm recalling correctly. But I think just getting a guy that's solid on defense, particularly a right-handed shot, I think that'd be something that would just help kind of even out things back there a little bit. And then I think for me, uh, this is one of my main wants, is really just a versatile top six, top nine forward. Uh, I don't really know what the market's looking like this offseason. I have to look more into it. But just looking a few seasons ago with guys like Mason Marchment, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, really just like a forward that plays with a little bit of edge but still has that like offensive driving ability, good two-way play, like kind of like a higher-end Jordan Greenway. Maybe not necessarily as big, but someone that plays a little bit more edge. Like just to add a guy to the lineup that can play up and down the lineup when pucks on the four check, play a little bit different style of hockey. I think that could help this team out a lot. And it could also help you push some talent down in the fourth line and run a fourth line that's not like a nothing go zone. Because I think the fourth line now, I mean, they're not killing the Sabres, but literally when these guys are on the ice, like just, nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't get scored against and they don't score. Yeah, it's just nothing. When you're trailing, which, yeah. when you're trailing, you need goals. <laughs> so like, <laughs> not having a fourth line 
you get they're out there to score goals like pretty brutal. Like I mean, you know you won't get scored against when they're out there, which is great to have. You're winning a lot of games, but this series team that's been starting off down a lot this year, like not having a bunch of lines you could throw out there for a goal, I think has maybe hurt them a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, who would you the right handed defenseman that I've heard that I would actually be interested in is Rasmus Anderson. I Yeah, I mean know. I think he'd be yeah. okay. interesting piece. I think Calgary they're such an interesting team because they're caught in between a rebuild and wanting to be good now. Yeah. And they're kind of forced to try to be good now with that Huberto contract, which I know people say like Sabres have bad contracts. Ooh, Take a look at that boy. Jonathan Huberto contract. It's like, not good. That's insane. <laughs> I think that's another. Awful. <laughs> that is another feather in the cap of Sasha Barkov because oh, he is so good. He is so yeah. good. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just, I remember like Barkoff, like uh, I think Ryan Johnson got stripped of the puck by Barkoff and he scored. I'm like, that's yeah. that's just Barkoff. That's I just mean, him. He's so good. Really can't even plan for that. No. But yeah, no. that's like maybe add Barkoff in the offseason. That would be <laughs> a good addition to this team. But yeah, I don't really think they have to do anything too crazy. I, mean, I think the power play could be fixed in-house. I don't really think you need any specialists or anything. I know a lot of people come at me about Patrick Kane. She's like, oh, this guy didn't want him, and now he's got 23 points in 24 games. It's like, all right, my bad. I got one thing wrong, but even then, it's like, I don't really know what... Like, the Sabres team won't... <laughs> I don't think the Sabres team would be a playoff team with Patrick Kane. Like, I don't think they're 12 points better with Patrick Kane in the lineup. No, no, I mean... Yeah, at this point, it's like, who cares kind of thing for sure. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there is positivity here. Um, I mean, again, this is like it's it was the easy part for Kevin Adams. And now it's like, hey, man, like this is the hard part. We've been talking about this for years. If you're if you listen to this podcast before, we've said it before. We'll say it again, like built like getting to that next step is probably the hardest just like breaking that breaking through and once they do like i feel like once the sabers make the playoffs it's not like that's going to like it's going to keep happening like it's going to the yeah the dam is going to open and the water's rushing through it's my opinion probably hopeful wishing but like they do they are set up it is the problem is they're they are too young but you're also asking this fan base to be more patient. You just you can't do it. They're stuck in a very difficult position, and that's why it's so upsetting about the whole stick-raising thing or whatever. It's because, like, guys, you, you just have to suck it up because next year this could all yeah. go away. Like, it's a bad season. It's almost like you're a parent, your kid's crying, and there's nothing you can do. You just have to have have to let it be, and like I'm not trying to say like the fans are crying babies, but it's the <laughs> that sounds really bad. That is not what I'm saying because like they're the ones paying for these tickets. Like I'm like I said, I'm going to a game. Tickets are not cheap, so like yeah, I, they are not crying babies at all. I mean, but I, you I just have to for let the it home go. opener, five <laughs> one loss, and it's like I can't imagine a more brutal way to buy a $150 round trip flight uh well like a $100 ticket yeah tickets are like watch that dude, team get rocked five to one I'm going with a buddy who I said at the beginning of the season he's a Vegas fan 
big Vegas fan, huge Vegas fan. And I said I'd go. And I said, you know, you guys pick whatever seat you want, no problem. Yeah, it was like hundred bucks for like three hundreds. Yeah. Like it's it's a big game. It's on a Saturday. It's where they wanted to sit. Who knows? Maybe could have got a better deal. Maybe not. Don't know. I'm just happy to go with them. I the cost really isn't the thing. I'm going to be with friends. But I mean, yeah, but it's expensive. It man. is expensive I mean, for a family of four. Like oh. you're spending a lot of money, and I mean, I know if you go to the game with kids and stuff, they're gonna want concessions and stuff yeah. too, and that stuff adds up as well on top of the tickets, the parking, yeah, everything. It's, I mean, it it's is just like easy. to watch. Like it, it, it used to be like when they had a big season ticket holder base, and the resale market was going crazy when they were bad because everyone's trying to move tickets. Like you go to games for five dollars. Like, there's no season ticket holders. There's no resale market, so you're buying directly from the team, and the tickets just aren't cheap. No. No, I mean, like, season ticket holders, they have a right to be PO'd when tickets go down to $6. Yeah. And they're like, dude, I paid, like, $150 for this ticket at the beginning of the season. Especially season ticket holders this year, too. Like, imagine the ones that bought in the hype last year and decided yeah. to buy them this year. Like, imagine what they're feeling. I can see why they're booing every yeah. chance they get because they're probably expecting fun hockey and they're getting whatever this season was i think my biggest thing is they just needed to keep it in house you could be as pissed off as you want don't let the fans know you have to let us express our extreme frustration the way we need to and fair or not you, you it just i'm it's not it's not harrington's fault you wrote a good article you got the information you got yeah. someone to talk which i have my opinions on who i think that person was that gave the quote i'm sure people can probably deduce who i thought it was um you just i really wish they kept it in house if you if you did want to salute the fans you did it anyway if you didn't mean it fine you can talk crap about us behind closed doors fine just don't let it come out to the fans it just it's a bad look and i Again, I do get it, but at the same time, it's like you have to understand where we're coming from more than we need to understand where you're coming from. Is it fair? No. Yeah, I think. But, like, guys, you're making a lot of money to play a game, and you're treated pretty yeah. well. Like, I just, again, it's, I don't know. It's not on the fans to I mean pack the barn and get super hype and yeah, lead not. their team to a victory when if this was the English Premier League we'd be going to the National League guys we'd be falling out of league too what are we doing <laughs> I mean it's just there is optimism but man it is just a disappointment this season I really wish that didn't come out and like I don't know. I think we all realized last year, like, it is a good group of guys. These are good guys. They're, I mean, obviously their feelings are very hurt, but just, you know, go ahead and think about, you know, I was in high school when these guys were last in, since our last, yeah, since our last episode, I turned 30. I was in high school last time. They were, they were in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Even worse. I moved to Philadelphia, and I think I've told this on the podcast before, saying it again, because if you've made it this far, we appreciate it, and you deserve this brutal story. I moved right before the 05-06 season. 
the last time I was physically living in Buffalo and the Sabres made the playoffs, 2001. I was in first grade. (laughs) It's insane. Now that's not their fault that I moved away. Doesn't make it any easier. It's it's just it's very difficult uh, this season. There's a bright spot at the end of the tunnel. Walt, I'm gonna let you go off on any tangents because I've done plenty of talking here, and I've, I I really thought I actually had like a better collection of my thoughts. Looking back on this overall episode, I don't I I didn't really have much to say. It's just yeah. Every time I watch the Sabres, I'm like, man, there's there's a loss. Oh yeah, they 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 beat a team, good for them. Up oh, and there's another loss. Like, it's I'm not even fired up. I'm more just like apathetic to it or numb, in a sense. And I feel like that's even scarier. But, Walt, what's going on with your life outside of hockey or anything? Brentford finally beat Wolves. Good for them. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and you know take this time. We're gonna let Walt you know kind of close us out here. Appreciate everyone listening. I promise next time I'll have thoughts more laid out next time and coherent, but I appreciate you listening. Walt, what do you got? Oh, well, I mean, I guess I went to the Beanpot tournament. I Ooh. think it was last week. So that's like, if you're a hockey fan, yeah, Northeastern beat BU in the championship game. Yeah, if you're a hockey fan, like that's – that's like a must attend event. Like I don't really think I've seen anything more Boston in my life. Like you don't really <laughs> hear like a crazy amount of Boston accents every day when you're in the city, but there it was like literally every person sounded like they're from like the most Boston place. Goodwill hunting. I don't know what that even is, but yeah, like they sounded like they were like from a Matt Damon movie. <laughs> so I mean, it was just such a fun event. Like student sections were electric. They filled yeah. out pretty much the entire upper bowl 300 level of the stadium uh the bands there like the students chanting like it's a pretty cool event and i I think if you're looking to get into college hockey a little bit i think this is a season to do it i mean there's a ton of fun teams this year like a lot of the top prospect talent is playing college hockey right now Uh, bc and bu two of the top teams uh they they're gonna meet each other a few more times before the season ends and then you got Teams like Michigan, I mean Minnesota, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun end of this college hockey season. So if you're a little sick of watching the Sabers and don't want to lose your passion for hockey, I recommend getting into some college hockey as we enter uh, the postseason for for college hockey. You have someone's taking you on a shopping spree, and you have the money for three jerseys for any NCAA team. What are the three jerseys you're picking up? Oh, that's a tough one. I yeah. mean, I'd have to say I really like Boston College, like the gold like throwback yeah. style ones they had. I thought those were pretty cool. I, I think they always have really good jerseys. And then I feel like, oh, there's just so many good ones. Arizona State, I think they have like a really cool like modern take on college hockey jerseys. I'd probably have to grab one of those. And then I'd say, oh, last one's tough. I mean, maybe some team like, I really like a lot of the Ivy League school jerseys. I'd I'd say Princeton almost. I kind of like the the black and orange. You always forget they have a hockey team, but they have cool jerseys. (laughs) And Sabres Sabres player Eric Robinson is a 
Princeton hockey program alum too. I mean, there there's a, there are a lot of really good ones. Um, one, one that I've just always loved, dude, is Maine. Oh, Maine oh, has yeah, such I a good jersey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. I think it might have even been like Niagara has nice ones for sure. Like when I played college hockey, it was club. I sucked, but we played Niagara, and I was always like, "Those are, I, I, dude, it was bad." I, I, I was done with hockey, and I didn't realize it, kind of thing. Um, it was really bad, but um, yeah, like playing Cornell has like classic ones. It almost feels like, you know, like not original six like Red Wings, but you know what I mean. Like it's just like a classic. I remember playing yeah. them in the uh, in their arena that's super old, seeing all like the banners and just like the history there and yeah, stuff. Dryden. Yep, yep, that was that was cool. Um, was it Northeastern? I'm trying to look this up right now. Please bear with me. Okay. I think Northeastern had some nice ones. Or uh, Northwestern, excuse me. Northeastern obviously has nice ones with, like, the Husky or whatever. I really like those, too. Northwestern, no. Maybe not. It's just, like, the I mean, big. Yeah, no, I think Northwestern just has a club team. I don't even know if they – I don't think they have a D1 team. They don't. Only okay. one of the North – North directionals. Okay. Yeah, I North must be I must be losing. I mean, like, there's a lot of ACHA teams have, like, cool ones. Like, UNC obviously has errors. Oh, like, yeah. Oregon has cool ones for sure. I mean, that, they're not in the NCAA, so that wasn't part of the rules. But, um, oh, yeah, the, some of the club teams, I almost ordered, like, an Appalachian State uh, yeah. hockey jersey that I saw on, like, Twitter and Instagram. I'm like, oh, this thing's so cool. I really know. Yeah. Nothing about Appalachian State outside that Michigan football upset. They got a cool campus, cool yeah. campus in the fall for football. But yeah, I mean, the, some of these club hockey jerseys are so cool that I'm willing to drop a hundred dollars on a school I don't know anything about. Like, I don't even know when I'd even <laughs> state jersey. That's really not something that's easy to fit no. in everyday outfits. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that would be. I mean, you get anyone that gives you like props on that while you're out, though, you know they're like they get it. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? no one would know what it is. We're like, <laughs> yeah, like what 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 team is that? Yeah, no, for sure. But okay, well, you know what? Uh, we had some some positivity, some negativity. We laughed, we cried, we <sighs> blamed a lot of people. I blamed a lot of people. Um, but I, again, appreciate everyone listening. Um, gonna try to make a couple more episodes a little bit more closer together than the other two it's been really busy for the both of us and it seems like anytime i'm free walt's busy anytime walt's free i'm busy just the way it goes but again we appreciate you as always um i got again i know that was kind of the last word but this is the officially the last word from walt so my name's bill you've been listening to sabermetric podcast appreciate you and walt takes out our last word is Sabres playoffs next season, book it. <laughs>